Hey, welcome back to another episode of Triple the Fitness. I'm Naeem and I'm here with Ben and Lewis to discuss important topics in and around the fitness, health and nutrition industry, answering your questions and offering our opinions. We hope you enjoy. All right, so episode two today. So what we're going to touch on is struggles in lockdown. So we're all going to be sharing what we found, we've found uh, well difficult in lockdown as such. Uh, and we're going to start off with uh, Naeem. So what have your struggles been in lockdown? And also what have your clients found as well? So it's, it's a bit of a tricky one with myself. I mean, the style of training that I normally do, um, I could. I, it's really, really easy to do at home. But the issue is, of course, that I struggled with is that there's certain things that I really, really like to do. Like there's certain exercises that I found that I really enjoy doing. And because of just like how my, how my house was set up and the fact we weren't allowed to use outdoor gyms for a little while, uh, I was really, really restricted in that. I think the drive to do it when you're not able to do what you want to do is it, it just wasn't there. And so obviously the ways that I got around solving that was making other people making me more accountable so that's why i started all these kind of like different workout groups so if i wasn't making that content if i wasn't working out wasn't making the space for it they wouldn't get what they paid for so that's what really really pushed me yeah um and then that kind of ties into like my clients as well because um i still even get messages now like they'll come and meet me for an outdoor mm -hmm. session and that but it's just they can't seem to separate work from working out at home do you know what i mean so they're like oh it's not the space it's not this it's not that and it's really really tricky because you can't always hold someone's hand and walk them through it there's only so much that you can tell them in person and tell them through the phone but at the end of the day yeah i think the big thing that that it comes down to is that it's it's you like you're the one on the steering wheel you really are. And so all we can do is push. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink, right? Yeah, that's very mm. true. I like that point. I like that point, Naeem. Um, I particularly like the point, as you were saying, you know, about uh, how, you know, you might have a certain style of training and taking that away, you know, that is going to be difficult. Um, I can relate to you on that, you know, like just, just even have an Olympic bar sort of thing. Like that's something I enjoy to use, but I haven't even got that. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> it varies from everybody's training types. You know what I mean? Um, depending on what you did in the gym. Um, so yeah, I can totally relate to you on that. Um, so yeah, Ben, uh, have you got anything you'd like to share? So what are your struggles been, you know, and also with your clients as well? Yeah, uh, I suppose it's going to be quite similar across, I think, a lot of this because this lockdown has been so new for for everyone. And some, from a gym perspective, I I thrive in terms of motivation at work. So home space for me is is home it's relaxing i'd rather spend 12 14 16 hours at work on the gym floor squeezing in workouts where i can as opposed to being at home with all the time in the world thinking i'll do two workouts today like i just yeah. haven't been able to make that switch um and i suppose that goes a little bit into motivation which a lot of uh, <laughs> the feedback on on my instagram was um it's mad that we kind of fill the time we've got and a lot of people have more time but have struggled to fill it yeah um, that's very true but yeah I, I definitely just think I've, I mean the amount of workouts that I've I've created for myself um I, I really struggle as an individual forget about me as a trainer I need like as Naeem said holding my hand so to speak yeah um 
I have my own personal trainer when I'm at the gym to keep me focused. So even when I am working, I am still paying for a session once a week to be held accountable for every every week to be in that session um, as a as a client. Yeah, totally get that. Um, so I mean, for me, I've I've got a few little challenges um, lined up for myself. That's where I really thrive. Is I've got a, a crazy challenge to to do, um, so I need to train for it. Um, mm. Yeah, like a lot of people, holidays and weekends away and I'm not spending time on the beach. That's like the big motivation for me to get fit. And that's all yeah. been lost. <laughs> so in essence, I've just sat around, created this podcast channel with you guys, um, yeah. got myself some other business things in check and lined up. But ultimately, from a exercise perspective, um, people may have even seen on, the, on social media, I've just been out for like three, four hour long walks. And that's as much as my training's kind of consisted of. I've got very little kit here. It's it's been it's been really tough. Yeah. Um Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What were you saying? What what do you think? I was just gonna actually relate to you on that, you know, about how you've got all the time. I think the motivation side of it is actually, you know, when you've got all the time, you know, you probably some people on furlough, they've got more time at home. And you think, oh yeah, I could do two workouts today. But the thing is I find personally for me that the time limit keeps me accountable. You know what I mean? So when I'm at work, I actually find I get a better session in if I've got a busy day than if I've got a very free day. Because if I've got a free day, it's easier to procrastinate, you know, the time. Oh, yeah, I can do it in an hour. I can do it at this time or I can do it at that time. I think I actually spoke to you a bit about this, didn't I, Ben? About how, you know, between the work, like, I'll do a split shift. And um, so if I'm going to go train, I'll do it in between that split shift. And I've only got yeah. that set time. If I don't train then... I can't train at all for that day. And so I'm like, I'm going to make sure this counts and this matters. You know what I mean? I'm going to put everything I've got into it. But it is actually yeah. harder, I do find, when you're at home and you think you've got all the time, you know, in the world pretty much. You know, you think, oh, yeah, I could train later. I could train. And you end up putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Next week, you know, it's 8 o'clock at night. And you're like, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could have done that earlier. And it's just the day's gone by, you know, because the thing is, the longer we're in lockdown, the days do seem to fly by a lot quicker. Um, but that's. I've personally, I don't think that's my, you know, main struggle in lockdown. I think the main struggle for me, um, as much as some clients have said as well, is positivity um, throughout this. It's trying to keep a positive mindset um, whilst we're in this situation. Because the thing is, obviously, there is a lot of negative, you know, with lockdown. Um, and then obviously the news, every time you turn on the news, it, most of it is negative. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> And so yeah. I found that, you know, clients are struggling with that. Um, I did actually make a video on it, you know, how a lot of the time, you know, it is very difficult. So I came from last year. I had um, like bad depression last year. I was on medication and stuff like that. And it took a lot to um, get out of that situation. Now, at the time, people would come to me and they'd offer solutions, but it did absolutely nothing for me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was just like, I thought, you know, that I can't just do that, you know. There was actually um, there was actually a friend of mine. He's a lot older than me, um, and I was out doing some work with him. And he said um, he just I was talking about my life and I had so much rubbish going on at that period. And he just he just got a bit of paper out and he drew a six on it. And he said, "What's that?" And I said, "It's a six. And he says, "No, it's not. It's a nine. And he said, and "I said, well." And he said, "Hang on." So we're both not lying. We're both telling the truth, but it's just from our perspective. And he said, "That's just like life, you know." There is positives and negatives in life. It just depends on your perspective. And as I said, at that moment in time, I was like, what is that rubbish going to do for me? <laughs> you know, I, I thought, this ain't going to help me at all. Like, it's not going to change my situation, <laughs> which it never, it never did. 
it never did, you know. Um, it never changed the fact mm. I had problems going on. It only changed. Um, did I cut out then? All right. It only. Um, it only changed, really, over a long period of time when I started thinking about just making the little changes, just little drip, like a drip feed of positivity each day. Um, and I think once you get further into that, it made me realise how important that lesson was about the perspective. Um, and I view that like now as well. If we, you know, there is a lot of negative out there right now, but there is a positive in that we get to actually have a bit more time with our families, which a lot of us don't actually get to have these days. You know, I think, um, that's, I think that's a positive. real double-edged sword as well, though, isn't it? Is one of my big points that I saw come up on my feed from clients was um, I'm looking after the kids a lot more. So as we sort of said, mm. like we're squeezing it in around working life or picking kids up or, um, you know, if they're in bed early and on a Saturday morning, lots of clients can get up, go to the gym nice and early on a Saturday on Sunday and be back yeah. before their kids are even awake. Um, but that's like been a really difficult thing i think for people to find is their own time mm. so you're talking about this kind of perspective and do you have you either you guys come across sort of the stoic mindset oh, i haven't personally heard of that no briefly oh, briefly, briefly. i mean me and Naeem may have spoke about it up at the gym i've got this this little book um highly recommend it to anyone that's listening it's called the daily stoic um, and basically the stoic mindset is being uh, in control of your emotions in the situation that you're in um, and how you can basically the emotion that you're being offered by your brain is only an option. And it's probably the easiest option because our body likes to make the easiest choices for ourselves. Um, and then we try and satisfy these emotional decisions with sort of reassurance and well, everyone else feels like this. You know, you may have seen it with groups of people that are breaking lockdown rules. And you think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And yeah. then you can get frustrated because you're not doing it. And then you start getting angry and perhaps even sad and depressed because everyone else is out there living their life. But that is an option. You can then go, well, yeah. I can choose not to pay attention to that. I can choose not to let it affect me and make a better mindset decision i'm not saying you're going to suddenly feel better because you're not going to be angry <laughs> but you can make a, a a conscious decision to say okay i'm feeling a bit annoyed at that you know what i'm going to do i'm going to come off social media for a little bit because that's where i'm seeing everything and then you're mm. minimizing mm. these things in place that are changing that and and again you said you touched on sort of depression and and anxieties i i absolutely hate when people try and go but it'll be okay <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure it will yeah. be. Like, or, or don't be sad. Don't don't be anxious about that. It's like I'm fixed now, am. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't yeah, be sad. Like, oh, I don't know what that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think that's you know certainly from a lot of my clients, I, I deal a lot with uh, the mental health, and I did a charity event last year for Mind Charity. So I, I feel like I'm definitely someone that will drop in and out of a good and a bad, uh, which is normal, bad bad emotion, <clears throat> but the reading with this stoic mindset and these stoic lessons and it's all kind of back from the ancient greek and roman times where these clever guys like caesar and aurelius and uh, seneca that were teaching ways to think about your life and how you can show yourself to the public um and that massively helped me from a business perspective um but also sort yeah. of like i'm angry so i'm going to allow myself to be angry or sad or depressed and actually go this is pretty rubbish. I mean, 
it's going to seem ridiculous to a lot of people, but I really like my hair being short and it's not. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> frustrating every time I come out of the shower and it's all over the place. And it genuinely, I don't want this to sound like a joke, but it is really seriously annoying. Yeah. Um, and to a lot of people, that's just like, it's just long hair, mate. What, what are you worried about? But over 12 weeks, it's like, I just want to get my hair cut. That's all I want. But I don't yeah. just want my mum or my dad or my girlfriend to go and do it. I want it done properly. Yeah. So yeah. having this idea of eventually it's going to get cut, but I have to just embrace between now and then that I'm probably going to get a little bit annoyed at my hair every day. And that's yeah. fine because I know why I'm getting annoyed and I'm not then going to let that come into a podcast and me start taking up five minutes of the time moaning about my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ended about a minute on here, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I just want to quickly go over um, a couple of points that you guys uh, were talking about, especially with, I think Lewis is one about filling time and people struggling to fill time. And... I think the way that I look at it is that normally on a, on a normal everyday situation, you'd wake up and it's almost like your day's planned for you. I've got to take the kids to school, right? Well, if you do have kids, I don't, I don't know anyone in this group who does, but, you know, I've got to take such and such to school. I've uh, got to get to work by this time. I'm working from this time till this time. I'm going to go gym after, get something in and go to bed, right? Sounds like a dream. That seems to be like a, that sounds like a pretty standard routine, but We've been given so much time now that it's like you wake up, you don't know what to do with it. And so something that I um, yeah, always, always, always try to do uh, ever since reading a fantastic book, I think it was Can't Break Me by uh, David Goggins. It was always treating every day like it's a military day. Like, OK, so at five o'clock, I'm going to go and read this book for three hours. I'm going to make sure that I clean my house or clean my room by this time. I'm going to check in with my clients at this time. And then it's, it's just trying to, to create your own schedule, to create your own, or like your own organization. You have to organize yourself. That's what I've, has massively helped me along this bit. Um, so when people are like, oh, uh, I've got all this time. I haven't got the motivation to get a workout in. Just take a little bit of time to understand yourself. I know for myself, I work fantastically in the morning. If I don't get my workout, out in the morning or early afternoon chances are it's probably not going to happen so when I plan out my day I take that into consideration I'm like okay so um, anytime in between eight and one o'clock there needs to be something in this in there do you know what I mean and I just it just depends what I'm doing along other days if I'm going shopping or whatever but I always try to um, slot it in where I can in the most optimal place that it can be yeah, I think, and then it's just being kind to yourself, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ben. No, it's, it's all good. I, I was just going to like not challenge that point, but offer my perspective because, as you know, from seeing me on the gym floor, I work to a very strict routine and, and diary perspective when the gyms are open. Um, and mm. for me, I know I would absolutely thrive under that idea of right six a.m. alarm, get up, do something by seven, have breakfast at eight, and and have that idea that you've just explained. But I've got no one there that's relying on me to do that apart from myself. Yes. And I think that's where, firstly, I and I think many people would struggle with that idea is, yeah, no, I'd really like that routine. I'd really like to be strict with myself to do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm Mm. not. Yeah. But... But in, in, in not further contesting or anything like that, (laughs) I'd say on the other hand, it's... (laughs) Yeah, on the other hand, it's... 
again, like you said, yourselves, but it's finding something that makes you want to do that. So obviously for myself, it's like, I've, I've already sat down and gone, I want to grow my business, you know? So I've, I've given myself, I haven't, I'm not waking up and putting myself in like this cement structure. It's, it is quite flexible. Like, I'm not going to lie. I don't, <laughs> I don't look like five o'clock. I'm not like, okay, um, okay, I'm going to read this now. I'll be like, oh, I'll read it at some time, at some point in time, like half six or whatever. But I think when you've got something in mind that you want to do, it's so much easier to just kind of build a routine around that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like totally if, if people understood and took that away, if they were going, okay, um, I want to exercise. I may not be able to pursue what I was doing in the gym, but I at least want to maintain it so that I'm not going back to step one. Then that's something there that you could already kind of structure your day around. Yeah. You could even read more about what you're doing in the gym. You know, Oh, why does my PT or why do, I do this in the gym and someone suggests this. There's all these, the, all these different things that we could do and we always tend to focus on what we can't do. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So can we all agree it's then? Like at... Go on, sorry, no. Yeah, sorry. It's just, just the last example. It's just like um, you, we're always trying to find, I guess, like that pin of doubt. And when I mean like a pin of doubt, imagine if a million people go, you know what, Naeem, you're a fantastic trainer. You're a fantastic trainer. Then there's that one kid that's like, mm, I don't see the big deal about this guy. I prefer this one. Our natural human instinct is to really just zone in on that. It's like, forget about the one million. I'm just interested in that one now. Why do they think like that? And that it, it gets you. It gets you. That's very true. It really does. We do tend to focus on the negatives um, a lot more than the positives. But I won't yeah. go into that point. That's, that's, true. <laughs> that's true, actually. I was just thinking about that. You know, like if you ever see a piece of paper and it's blank and then you see, you know, like a pen mark on it, you can't help but focus on that pen mark. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when <laughs> yeah. you pick up a fresh bit of paper, you think, oh, I'm going to use this bit, and it's got a mark on it. You're like, I can't use it now. You're like, it's just not good. You know what I mean? It's like that. So yeah. It's a very good perspective. Yeah. But could you say we all agree on this then, that it's about getting a good understanding of yourself as point one, um, especially in this mm -hmm. period, and then also starting with the small things, whether that be for a routine, even in yes. your uh, mindset as well, just starting with the little things. You know, like, as you said, um ben you know about the haircut thing you know, you know it's um not it's about working on those small things to try and not get to you too much um rather than something big because that's how you can make it grow to become a bigger part of your life whether that be in routine or mentality you know we yeah. can all agree on that yeah i think we can just yeah. add i'd like to add just one little thing to that is them writing it down so if you're working out what you and how you know you like to work as as naeem and you've just said lewis is is then actually write it down. It then becomes a bit more real than just a thought. It's, it's a sentence on a bit of paper. And you go, right, from Naeem's perspective, he likes to get up relatively early and he likes to get most of his work and workouts done by lunchtime. Well, let's create that diary plan of those four or five hours so he knows between those hours, as a rough guideline, what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that will that will help a lot of people rather than, as we've said, like Naeem's great point of that diary and that forced regime. Well, let's almost force it on ourselves to say, I'm not just thinking about it. I know I should go out and do that run first thing in the morning tomorrow, but I'm actually going to get a bit of paper and I'm going to write down Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to go out and do 5k or I'm going to go and lift mm -hmm. some weights. So I'm going to do 10 push-ups every morning. Um, tell people, tell people about people. it. Yes, that's it. That's it. Tell I'm going to say that. Yeah. Write it down, tell people, and it then becomes way more of a real thing. Um, and I think that then, yeah, keeps you accountable yeah. and, and just sort of finishes off that great point. 
100% agree on that. You know, when you say that night, I was literally about to tell people because that keeps you more accountable, <laughs> you know? It's like... Um, yeah, they hold you accountable. Yeah, they exactly. Do. They like, do. I found, you know, I actually set myself a goal when I was 18. I was like, I'm going to... I was started off at the year, January. No, not even January. I think it was like March. I had like a 140 deadlift and it was not the best. Like, I never really was shown properly. Um, and I was, I said, I'm going to get 200 by before the end of this year. And I told everybody, everybody was asking, oh, are you, you going to get it yet? Are you going to get it? And I kept doing polls about, oh, you know, do you think I'll get it? Yes or no. And you know what? I love the people that click no. <laughs> I was like, I love you more than the people that click yes. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm so going to get that now. <laughs> and you know what? I actually <laughs> saved them. I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep looking at these things every day. And you know what? I think it yeah. was literally two days before the end of the year. And I was with my mate and I said, I'm going to get this today. I've tried it so many times. I tried to get that 200. And I failed and failed. And it, because that was the last thing, I was just like, you know what? This is keeping me accountable now because everybody's on expecting me to do this. You know what I mean? It's a bit yeah. like Eddie Hall yeah. when he said he's going to do his 500 kilo deadlift. He did it. It almost killed him to do mm. it. But because he was so accountable to it, you know, because everybody was waiting for him to do it, he did it. You know what I mean? I think if, yeah. he, if he went in yeah. there just to do it off the bat, I don't think he would have done it. You know, if he kept it quiet, I don't think he would have done it. If he told everybody and had all that pressure... I think that's a re- you know a big reason of why he done it as well you know with his training and yeah. uh, mindset as well but um, yeah keeping accountable telling people is definitely something I advise to any client um, like you know whether it be family or friends as well um, it, it really varies you know some people like to post it on social media um, but yeah good point there Naim good point it's good stuff um, so as you were already talking about the use of polls everyone who's already tuning into this. They know it's one of our, our main weapons, our main weapons to just get that info that we like to talk about in these uh, little podcasts. So what what kind of subjects have you guys got? I know some of them are going to be quite similar to what we've already talked about, but I know I, I already know because I've got a couple of different ones. But yeah, I just like to see what, what you guys have got. So I'm going to I'm going to hit it off with Ben. I haven't heard of you in a little while, man. I hope you're okay I'm, there. I'm just sat taking all this incredible uh, information in, like all the listeners should be. You know, just yeah. sat with my mouth open in sheer awe of what you guys are talking about. Um, something that I would like to talk between us two um, as this uh, discussion, something that's been coming up in my client diaries podcast, shout out, um, is choosing a personal trainer. You know, we're all here Ooh. in the industry yeah. and yet we're all so different. And hopefully all pretty successful. Mm-hmm. What and how do we feel like is the best way for clients to pick their trainer? Because we're all good, but we're all so different and therefore specific to the right people. Um, and there's many more good trainers out there as well. So I think that could be good just to have three different perspectives on our recommendations to getting out there okay. and helping people when the lockdown's over. If they're looking to get a little bit more help and advice on the gym floor, what what they should do yeah. and how they should go about it. Yeah. Can I just talk. pause this for a second? So I asked this dude a question because I haven't heard of him in a little while and then he just responds with a question. It's profound. <laughs> profound. <laughs> That's what I like to do. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Lewis, take it away, man. Uh, I think, you know, what I'd like to discuss is actually something that's been coming up quite recently in the fitness industry. It's about training to failure. Because I've seen that come up, you know, like when I was first introduced to like bodybuilding, powerlifting, all that, you know, the reps were training until you can't get another rep out. You know what I mean? Like you're going to the point where you're in absolute agony. 
But I've been seeing a lot, you know, about how a triangle fair isn't actually the best, you know, and I, I can see why it's not, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of talk about how it's not the most effective way to train. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more science to it. And I think it would be good just to go a little bit deeper into that and why yes. there is more effective ways uh, than training. Science. Science, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Ben loves a bit of science. <laughs> ben loves it. And I'll give you mine. What mine was literally just to do with appetite and just controlling it. It's a lot of people during this uh, lockdown are just, they've got nothing else to do and they're occupying their time with eating. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, I think, I think we'll all have something really, really good to talk about in that. Mm. But I think kicking off with the big man himself, his subject sounds awesome about finding the right PT for you. Should I, should I, should I go first? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are we doing this now? Yeah, oh, well, we're we'll doing we'll just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just that. Yeah, get the laptop out now. <laughs> yeah, we've all just signed posted. We've all just signed posted what we're going to be talking about. So um, let's get let's get into it. Let's get into the please into the meat Take of it. Take it away. Yeah. Oh, please. He said, please. Okay. So when it comes to me and talking to someone and them trying to find what. Is, is, is going to be their personal trainer, basically. How do you make that choice? Very, very interesting question. And I think it largely comes down to what you require from that person. That is, that is super important. So if you're, you know, someone that's into your running and you do need, like, rehab or anything like that, well, then I'm pretty sure that I'd put you to bed. Even if you came to me, I'd be like, well, this is what someone specializes in. It's the key word. What do they specialize in? Do they specialize in your interest? That would be one question I'd be asking myself. Second, would you, like, would you invest in that person? Are you enjoying, like, could you see yourself continuously, you know, turning up, session, like spending an hour, unfortunately, with some of us, <laughs> maybe even more, I don't know. But you have to have that, um, that connection. You know, you have to be able to understand and, and kind of form a professional but friendly connection like you are you are both on the same team working to the same goal you should feel like you're able to speak to that person and you should feel comfortable enough to receive criticism hopefully and most definitely it should all be constructive not destructive but i'd say for me those two principles would be super super important if i myself was looking to work with a coach as as we know coaches work with coaches yeah hmm. does he specialize do I like him? Yes, yes. Okay. Coach it up. Coach it up. Lewis, what do you think? <laughs> oh, you know, choosing a PT, yeah, I think, you know, there's a very good point. So it's just, I think, you know, from what I see, it's just being able to relate to the trainer in some sort of way. I find that, you know, when um, I'm on my work, we've obviously got three or four different trainers. And, you know, we all get on with the clients. Um, you know, we, we equally get on. But I feel like some clients just prefer just you know they prefer certain trainers because they find they can relate to them whether it be background you know age different there's different uh variables when it comes to it you know what i mean um so even just by sometimes culture i find as well like i, I did find that um just like because they they can they can just talk um like even by language as well obviously that's a big thing you know what i mean even just be able to talk the same language as yeah. a client that's what i mean like that's a really yeah. big key thing um because i do find that with uh, like my colleagues who've got different cultures now they you know that's obviously helps them to relate in that sort of way 
Um, and then by background and experience, um, like I find anybody who comes in and they've suffered with, you know, depression and stuff like that, because I've had that and my family's had that, I find I can, you know, relate to those clients a bit more. Um, whereas my, my boss of the company, he has kids, so he relates better to clients with kids. You know what I mean? So it really, yeah. you know, depends on the background, I think. You know, that's, that's a really good one to take in. How about yourself, Ben? Well, I was just going to make a point there. I've got, you know, all of these great points, and I'm just returning things with questions all the time because I like the discussion about it. So if we're, we're looking at how you can relate, but I think the whole point is if you were walking in as the first time in a gym, how do you know who you can relate to? Mm. Do, do you see what i'm saying yeah well yeah. exactly and that's what yeah. i'm saying is let's start peeling this back if you're going in as the yeah, first yeah. time and not knowing uh, okay yeah, um, yeah i think there's so many good ways to do it and yeah we're all so good yeah how do we know that we're going to get on and we can relate and that they are the specialist and i think it's yeah. asking asking friends asking family getting to know people that are in the gym using trainers already and getting um yeah. first-hand opinion you know oh so how long you've been working with them oh only a couple of weeks or a couple of years and you go okay well it's got to be pretty good if that person's been training with them for a few years mm. um yeah word of mouth is obviously huge um and, yep. and that whole kind even of the P, even the pt board then you know the power of that if you get your bio and stuff correct it's like if someone goes to that board and they feel like you're talking to them most likely they're the ones who are going to call you for a consultation if you've got mm. a very this is what i do 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 okay that's that's fine but what do you actually do for me oh i, I totally so, agree but that's a, that's an element of marketing isn't it i think to a certain mm. extent mm. if you're good as a trainer of writing a good bio you're going to look better mm. but you still might not be the right trainer for that person you might yeah. just sound mm -hmm. like the right trainer for that person yeah um and I mean, the difficulty yeah, with the specialist side of things is there's lots of good level threes out there that don't have that specialist where i work we've actually you know we've got the bonus of that we've got the six-week challenge so we get a group of people in and they're not exactly assigned a trainer because there'll be different trainers taking the classes to begin with so in that six-week process that's where they get to know the trainers you get to know the clients so we've got a bit of a bonus there you know what i mean that's because good. you've got that yeah, time to grow and then after the six-week challenge if they sign on that's when they get um you know given a trainer you know what I mean? Yeah. As a coach. So I, that's what I mean from my perspective. That's why I was saying about, you know, background. I think that's why it really helps where I work because yeah. that's how you get to learn about each other. You know what I mean? Because um, sometimes, yeah. as you say, from, from the off, like sometimes, yeah, clients, you know, sometimes you get a client, you, you're not sure if you can connect with them sometimes. You know what I mean? But then you yeah. find later yeah, on, you actually get on really, really well. <laughs> Um, and I've had that. I've had that several times. I'm like, you know, I don't know how I can. And then you find out they have something in common with you. And then you get chatting and then everything just seems to run a lot smoother. You know what I mean? Um, so that's where yeah. I find, you know, the six week challenge that we've got actually really helps in that yeah. regard. Um, but yeah. What are your yeah. guys opinions on um, trying and using like the free consultation for many different PTs? Do you think that's used much or do you think that's underused? I think sometimes it's abused. Mm. I mean, sometimes I reckon it's abused. Then, like, um, you know, especially from a trainer's perspective, maybe, maybe not from the people consuming it, but from a trainer's perspective, it's like we offer these free consultations so that you have the opportunity to find out what it'd be like to work with us. Um, and some people just go there just literally just for free tips 
and it's like, okay, cool. That's half an hour. And I mean, I don't, I don't mind as long as it's during my shift. But if I'm yeah. having to come from wherever I'm coming from, for just like a half an hour thing for you to just be like, oh yeah, all right, seen a bit, and just never, ha- never hear from you again. There's like a potential that it can always be abused. Yeah. Um, I definitely think as well that with some trainers, depending on how they're focused, um, the 30 minute session may not actually be representative of what it's like to train with them. There could be a lot of different variables that happen on that day. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's very, very tricky because it's like, for me, if I was to do a consultation, it would be trying to figure out different ways in which I can help the person not going, all right, yeah, cool. Let's keep you on the squat rack load up the heaviest weight. I want to see what you can do today. It's like, well, no, if I'm working with this person, what do count? What does, what do, what do I need to do to make them or help them get to where they want to be? Yeah. I think that's so, so important, but I do think that's the element of communication there, isn't there? And also Mm. partly on the trainer side of things to do what you've just said i think a lot of people perhaps feel a bit cheated to say well you've come in i've wasted my time because i've done 30 minutes and you've wandered off well you're clearly not the right trainer for that person if they've not kind of bought into the idea of working with you Mm. um and that's that's going to happen you know i've been doing this for nearly 10 years the amount of free consultations that i've gone through because i've not had the same setup as lewis and and your gym um Mm where I think that six-week thing's absolutely class. Do people pay for that as well? Is that something that they... So basically, the, the, the structure is, so it's it, it can be free, uh, so they have a down payment, and if they complete the challenge, they get that money back, or they can put it down for the rest of the year for a membership, so they get a discount. So that's how it works. Um, so it'd be like, you know, it can be a free six-week challenge. They come in, you know, they explain, you know, you've got this down payment, but you can get this back if you lose 6% body fat in the six weeks or 18 pounds. You know what I mean? Well, you can get both. Um, and then you can get that £300 back and continue on with your life. But most of the time, because people don't want to lose what they um, you know, gained or lost <laughs> effectively, um, they then put that down to uh, decrease their membership for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's really effective because the thing is, it's not just a six-week challenge is a quick solution. Yeah, but it's not just about It's about your lifestyle change. You know what I mean? Um, and how it works, you know, they come in for three times a week, which is an effective way to train and also realistic as well um and i find in the consultations sometimes it's not always about giving them a load of information i think it's just about going to the basics and giving some sort of clarity in some areas but also getting uh, you know getting them to understand on an emotional level of how you can help them so understand what their struggles are because the thing is people never buy on logic people buy on emotion so it a lot of the time it's actually about understanding the client and thinking you know you know, what are your struggles? What are your struggles? And then from your perspective, be like, okay, so I, I can actually help you. And this is how I can do it for you. And a lot of times, if you show that person how you can help in that specific area, they're more likely to buy, you know what I mean? Um, I, th- I think a lot of trainers don't appreciate that as well is mm. they're, they're a trainer of, of any kind of level. And they can come in as a person shown some kind of interest, you know, booked in a consultation, they're, they're half toying with the idea of having a trainer, yet you're yeah. kind of forcing your idea of, okay, I've got free time with them. I'm just going to do a 30-minute uh, kettlebell workout. And like Naeem touched on, it's just not going to be a suitable way to, to do it. Instead of saying, right, we're going to do 15 minutes of a bit of a chat. We're going to find out your needs and goals and objectives. I'm going to see if I can help you. And mm. then we can perhaps do a movement assessment. We can start seeing how you 
work and exercise and this is going to help you then step forward into your next pt session um and i think you do this night don't you You go through a couple of movements to say if you can do the four basic patterns and i'm talking real basic patterns a squat a hip hinge a pull-up or a a shoulder retraction um you're then in a good position to do those fundamental lifts in a pt session and it's education it's saying look this is what i know and this is what i can help you with when you know it um, and yeah. there's yeah. too many trainers i i've i experience of just going oh, i've got this free person in here's a treadmill yeah let's get you warmed up let's do some basic stretching and there's no um it's, it's, it's never it's, personalized it's, it's, yeah, one, it's never though. specific Go on. yeah because um, the way that, that it, it, I think it comes with experience as well, because I think what we do or, or something that I made like a mistake of doing was always trying to give them what they wanted and not what they mm-hmm. needed. You know, like someone come in and go, oh, I love doing cardio. All right, that's it. <laughs> 30 minutes of cardio. Let's go in. And it's like, wait, no, scale that back. You're the you're the professional here. You're the expert here. You need to. Your, your job role is to inform them. Like people are going to come and they are going to have their opinions and that's fine. Mm. But we're there to educate. That's all part of us helping, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, totally. That's very true. That's very true. Um, and I think, you know, going on this, you know, when it comes to consultations, everybody has different fitness um, goals. You know, not everybody wants to be a powerlifter. Not everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. Some people just have different, um, say, end goals when it comes to fitness. But I can I can say everybody kind of wants to, you know, is quite similar in that they want to be well emotionally and mentally. You know what I mean? Um, so by going yeah. into that, you know, from the off with a client, that's a big that's a big thing. You know, that's I think that's very important. You know, it's getting the mentality and emotional side, you know, worked on and right first. Um, you know, as well as obviously trying to work towards their fitness goals. But I think those two things is what everybody can relate to. 100%. I think I think we're going into this topic just a little bit too deep now. And this is going to be another one for another <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so many good. things that we can go into. But we had two other good points from both you guys that I feel like we should try and touch on. Um, Lewis, do you want to dive in with yours? Oh, uh, what, they're trying until Friday, yeah? Um, I think so, yeah. I mean, this is the next big one. So, training to fail. I mean, since, uh, since, this, since is, this yeah. is a bit off the bat, you know, I was going to do some research. <laughs> but because um, it's obviously very recent, you know, recently talked about. I've done a bit of both. I haven't done it very recently. I did it a long time ago. And, um, you know, I think it actually does vary on the training time. When it comes to bodybuilding and building muscle, I don't think it's the most effective way. Whereas possibly for strength, I feel like is probably the most, you know, it, you know, um, I feel that would be more effective to strength training than bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is more about your control, really, rather than, you know, trying to fail. So you don't have that control over the weight. So you need to own that weight or own yeah. whatever you're doing. That's the way I put it to clients. I say it's too heavy if you don't own that weight, if you don't control it. Don't let the weight control you. You control the weight. That's the thing I say to the clients every time. Otherwise, it's too heavy. You know what I mean? Um, whereas strength training, it's a little bit different in that you're trying to get good, clean reps. Yes. Um, and obviously, you will get those one or two. Like, let's say you're doing five for five. Um, and then you've got three good ones and then two bad ones. You take note of that and then try and perfect the fourth rep and then perfect the fifth rep. So it's, quite, it's a little bit of a different approach, really. But for muscle building, I would say as long as you can get a good weight that you can control for a rep range, I would say that's the most effective for anybody who's starting off as well, especially 
because a lot of time you see lads, especially with barbells, <laughs> they want to go in and curl heavy. I've done exactly the same thing. Like, I was like, oh, to curl 70 kilos, which I did, but it wasn't the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, no, no, no. Okay. And we've all been there. Exactly. And we've all been there. That's And that's the thing. We've all been there. We're talking from, you know, what we've seen, but also about our own experiences as well. Yeah. It's real, man. It's real. Definitely. Definitely. So I think, yeah, I think it's just, you know, control, control in the weight. If you want to build muscle, that is the main thing. Um, which training to fail, you can't, you know, you're not really controlling the weight of those last few reps. So, uh, yeah, that's just my opinion on it personally. How about yourself, Ben? Let's get into the science. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, struck yourself in, guys. He's, he's dribbling. <laughs> I've... He, didn't, he didn't even give me a chance. He's dribbling now. He he's waiting. He's on, he's on edge of his seat. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, you go with this. I'm going to um, offer up any missing points because I feel like between the three of us, we can really give a big, sort of full um full answer to this so naeem you dive in and then i'll fill in the yeah. gaps that we even may have missed and then we can come Ooh. back in and go full circle so my take my take is very i'm very much on the fence because whereas whereas like like you said it depends on um what what you're training for definitely something in line with your goals um strength probably make a lot more sense Muscle building, we know time under tension is what maximizes the ability for you to build muscle. You know, the longer it's under tension, the more opportunity it has or the more reason it has to kind of shape up. Um, but the reason why I'm in the middle for is because I think it depends on what exercises you're choosing to go to failure on. So um, if, we're, if we're doing something that requires you to stabilize and as you're going towards failure, those stabilizers eventually will just start to like give out. So... I'll give an example, like a standing shoulder press. You're going to failure, to failure, there's a risk that you could injure yourself. But say like going to failure on like the leg extension, for instance, you can, you can see right there the difference in that. Mm. You, can, you can push to a threshold that your body's like, whoa, okay, chill, because we need to. I think if we always go down the road of, okay, this is bad and this is good, we sometimes reject things that could kind of just you know, that, that little spark, that little thing that could challenge you a little bit more, that, that little thing that your program needs to just bring it up another notch. And that's the danger that we, that when we like kind of demonize or just say like, nah, that ain't good enough, we tend to then close our minds to only one option, one way of training, mm. rather than kind of bringing them all together and just messing about with it. What, what, what does work for you? If you're training to failure, but you're getting stronger every single time, or you're training to failure, but you're you're being, no, 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 you're, you're liking the muscle that you're building. It isn't like a super, super issue, but it's how you're doing it, yeah. which would be more of my point. Like, oh, I probably wouldn't go to failure on that, or <laughs> I probably wouldn't go to failure on yeah. this. But um, I, feel, I feel like the big man. I, I don't want to take too much. I don't want to take too much away from him. I know, I know the empirical formula. <laughs> I'm, just sat here. Just, I just I'm just sat here smiling, mate. This is, this is quality stuff. Um, I think, the, I think the main thing is uh, both of you both of you are absolutely bang on in my opinion well, um but <laughs> what i would like to offer is and how i would use training to fail it is a a technique i think too many trainers and average gym goers get caught up in black and white this is the best way to build muscle this is the only way to build abs if you want massive legs this is what you've got to do when realistically it's a recipe mm. it's a it's a steady balance of workouts and i feel like working as naeem's just touched on which is so important the right exercises to failure 
but also as a as a cycle of training if you're not planning your workouts and you go right one day i'm just going to see what max failure i can hit on my bench press today <laughs> there's no logic there's no, no effort behind it and, and we said a few minutes ago about the science if you're wanting to build strength or even build muscle there's a benefit to doing failure reps just as much as there's a benefit to using resistance bands or chains or eccentric loading or pause reps or a number of one different other techniques you can use that should complement your entire workout. And I think this is kind of what Naeem was saying a little bit is I think it's, I think it's important, but I don't think it's the only thing you should do and therefore swear by it. Mm. Um, and actually if you start doing it too much from the really nerdy perspective, you're going to overload the neuromuscular system. You're going to shatter the, the connective fibers risk of injury is going to be higher. Your next training session is going to be worse it's finding that real fine balance of performance and just doing it because you think you're a bit of an ego lifter from time to time. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, as, as a tool, I think it's okay. If you're looking to build strength in the right manner, I don't think it's too bad. If you're an experienced lifter, absolutely. But I don't, it's like a, it's like a pyramid. I think we spoke about this maybe on that last one. It's kind of right at the top of the pyramid in terms of everything else to build strength or even size. There's a hundred other things I'd want you to be doing first before failure reps. Yeah, I think it's mastering the exercise. You know what I mean? I think if you're training to a failure where you've got like the last five reps absolutely stupid, like, you know, no one can tell what sort of move you're doing then I don't think that's the most effective way. But let's say you're doing leg extension, as you were saying, Ryan. If you're doing leg extensions, and let's say um, there was one person, like person A, was trying to fail it, but again, the last five reps were like half reps. But let's say, you know, the next person, person B, you know, dropped down the weight a bit, but tried to a failure of clean reps. You know, he did 12 that were clean, but then he couldn't get the 13th clean. You know, you know what I mean? Like, that, I think that's the more yeah. effective way of trying to a failure. Trying to a failure of clean yeah. reps, I think, is the most effective way. You know, because you've still got that control um, at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, that's just my opinion on that. I think... Don't look overlook the power of partials as well. Don't overlook them. You know, because isn't it? Don't they call it like a mechanical drop set or something like that? So, I do, I do see that some trainers do put out there that you know you can rather than just closing off that set, it is like you are reducing that, um, I can't think of the word now. I just had it, I was, I was just talking about it. That range of motion, that's it. Like it's not, it's, it's not imperative to always go there because we know that the idea of training to failure is just to keep that tension on that muscle. Mm. And even if you are working in, let's say a partial range, it's almost like continuous tension, isn't it? Up until that muscle just goes, hey, listen, put the weight down, go home, let's never, ever do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so drop, drop set's pretty effective. I can, I can agree with that. But it's just yeah. sprinkles, isn't it? Every, everything, everything's just com it's complementary. It's like you can use training to failure as an indication of whether you're strong enough to bump up or, or ramp up your intensity. It's, everything has its mm. uses. It's just, as we've all kind of agreed on, it is not just a one, like one solution there's so many yeah. and would, use them would you Go guys use um, Talk to us. one rep maxes as a guideline then i mean if we're talking about going to failure and and understanding our clients ability would you want to know someone's one mm. rep max mm, not necessarily i think it depends no me? i don't think i, need, I don't yeah. know personally i don't think i need to know one rep. i'm not yeah i don't, I don't do a lot of one 
rep max training to be yeah. fair with you because i think when my when they turn up and they lift then i can see the numbers that they're lifting and go oh, okay cool they can do you know they can do 12 i don't get them to pick up the heaviest weight they possibly can for one rep and then go okay so um 80 of that because it differs for different yeah. people and i guess that it's, it's on experience as well like i'm guessing if you get someone to do like their one rep max when they first begin and then you get them on lighter weights. Yeah, this is cool. But what about like the form? What about other muscles? What about all these different other things? So I'm not really, I've, I've learned to kind of accept maths for what it is within it, but also kind of train off of intuition as well. Mm. And as long as I'm progressively overloading and seeing that they are, you know, getting stronger, getting this, getting that, that's what I'm more interested yeah. in. I, yeah, I just want to touch on that. I think, you know, when I'm training somebody, if I was doing it, you know, if I was training for strength purposes, I'd be more interested on what their five rep maxes than their one. You know what I mean? Unless they're competing, it's a little bit different. But if they're just wanting to increase strength, you know, whenever a client comes in, I'd say, you know, that's good on your five rep max. That's brilliant. Now, you know, you, if you've completed your five by five, we could, you know, step it up a little bit next time just by a small amount just to increase that strength. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think one rep max is the most effective way um, for me. Uh, when it comes to clients, you know, with strength training in particular, no, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, yeah, it's, it's interesting to to hear nice similar thoughts. I don't I don't see any benefit in having a one rep max as part of your training process. Um, but as you say, as a competing um, idea, I think it is important to have some kind of idea. Um, mm. Naturally, for me, I don't really train um, many strongmen or athletes that need to be able to perform one lift at their hundred percent and that they're, you know, their true hundred percent. What I mean, you know, not just something that they think they can do, you know, something that was effectively mathematically <laughs> worked out that you've worked up to your five rep max, three rep max. Okay. And training over the last 12 weeks, I've got to hear on competition day, I should be able to achieve and hit X, Y, and Z. I, I don't come across those sort of clients. So therefore I don't ever need to use a one rep max. And the mm. amount of times, even just my kind of general population clients go, how many, how, how much do you think I can do for one? And I, I don't care. <laughs> and neither <laughs> should you. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? But Ben, the fact that you're pointing that out as well is that, you know, it has its use of, I guess, being a good test tool. You know, that's, that's what, if I was going to use it at all, it'd literally just be a test tool. Yeah. It'd just be to show someone that they have made progress or that they have got yeah. stronger. And this is what, because they are. Well, I wanted to tag this point on to working to failure. Because in, in essence, a true one rep max, you shouldn't be able to do any more. No. Both reps or weight. Um, so mm. in theory, that one rep max on whatever it is should be a true reflection on that muscle strength or that movement strength. Yeah. Um, and why I think a lot of people, for some reason, get caught up on these sort of failure reps to go, right, that is my five rep or my eight rep max. Oh, yeah. like you said, Lewis, why does that matter? I think yeah. doing the clean reps, but also things like, I suppose, like plyometrics or working a squat out of the hole in the very bottom. It's so important to build uh, elastic power or efficiency out of these different ranges of movement. So if, if I can get my client hopping in terms of a knee rehab, that's going to be so, so good. Yet the range of movement yeah. in the knee is so small in comparison to a deep squat or a sissy squat which also has its benefits um yeah just as much as getting them to do isometrics <clears throat> out of the bottom position of the squat has so much benefit 
but also they're, they're not working that full range of movement, but they're still creating some kind of strength and tension at different ranges. Hmm. I think, yeah, going on to, you know, warm-up maxing again, I think it's, um, it's actually quite dangerous, I think, especially when someone's coming first into the gym, you know, especially for a deadlift. I see so many people, so many people make the mistake. Like, it's usually, it's usually, like, lads, you know, you know, probably around 18, like, that's all. I've even done it myself, you know. It was like, oh, I'm going to deadlift this now. And it's always a deadlift, the one I see the most. And, the, you know, the, they're, they're caring so much about that one rip max that their form goes out the window. And I've been there, done that. And you're just causing yourself more problems. You know what I mean? It should be more like, the thing I've learned from my personal experience, it's more important about, you know, how you control that weight, um, you know, and how you can do it effectively. Like that five rip max would be more important to me now than the one rip max, especially when you're bringing in a client in. Because the thing is, They've got to perfect the form as well, really, if you want to do a one rep max, yeah. because you don't want to throw somebody, a client, and say, right, okay, we're going to do a deadlift today. I want you to lift as heavy as you can and then hope you don't break your back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, it's not the most effective way, and it's just a high risk for injury, especially when they, they haven't really got an idea how to do it, because the thing is, it takes a while for some people just to get, um, it's almost like a routine to get in position for a deadlift. You know what I mean? Um, it can take sometimes a couple of weeks or more, depending on person to person, to get that form right because it, it takes almost like a programming. Because um, sometimes I'll have clients, they they might have a bit of a break and then they come back. Their deadlift form was great before, then they come back and then there's something off, and then it's a bit like a reprogram it again. And then a couple of weeks down the line, they're back to it again. You know what I mean? Smashing it out, getting clean rips. Um, and that's to say, you know, it's, you can imagine it's even worse, especially if you first come into it and caring about your one rep max. Yeah, it's just a very high-risk um, thing to do, really. Excellent. I feel like we've done that topic. That's, that's yep. been pretty, um, <laughs> pretty well covered. Done and, yeah. done and dusted. Done and dusted. It was the final one, wasn't it, which was my one. I think one of the main struggles that I got from a lot of people was their nutrition. It's just eating, overeating was what, what I saw a lot. Oh, I'm overeating, I'm overeating. And... It's quite interesting, that concept of overeating, because the way that I'd think of overeating is, you know, I've eaten so much that I'm no longer just full. I've, I've eaten through that fullness, and I'm now just feeling really, really tired, really, really bloated, and like I'm about to explode, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's strange, because when they say overeating, is it the fact that they're overeating, or are they just eating the same, but now doing less, which is why it's resulting in weight? I think that's a big part of it. You know yeah, I yeah, mean? totally understand you on that. And, and that's what I find so, so interesting about the word overeating, because it's like, well, you're overeating in consideration to you not doing what you normally do on a normal day, but you're not overeating in terms of you're just you're your general life you know what i mean you you either need to work out more or of course yeah. you know but we're just going to make a little reduction ben doesn't like saying dieting <laughs> so we're going to manage your I'll calories if you want. you're going to manage your calories yeah yeah we're going to manage your intake and I, I get it i get it i mean everyone has been making you must you must have seen it everyone's making brownies everyone's no, making this everyone's making that and it, yeah <laughs> And it's going to be so, so easy. Like, I get it. We're, we're sitting down most of the day, the majority of the day, and we're eating all these, like, different lovely baked goods. And I'm, I'm not saying anything like I, I love it. Anyone wants to send me any who's listening to this, you, you know where I'm at. You know? <laughs> I'll drop my postcode and all that stuff. But it is literally yeah. that, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm struggling. And 
I, I don't think it is. I think it comes, the struggle comes from not being informed on, on what is, I guess, good nutrition mm. principles. I'd just like to get an idea of what you guys reckon. Um, well, for me, I actually, you know, it's like because some people probably, it's not actually the fact they're overeating, it's because their expenditure of their calories is not as high right now. You know what I mean? Because um, mm. I actually did a, uh, a period where I was eating what I normally would eat, you know, in lockdown. And it was four weeks in and I went up to 14 stone eight. Um, and then I decided because I was going to do a cut plan anyway. And when I was doing this, I was going to do my macros and calories of what I normally do. Then I, then I was looking up my activity level. And I was like, yeah, I'm still training. But because when I'm, when I'm working, I'm out from 5 a.m. to about 10 o'clock at night. So I'm expending a lot of calories. You know, I'm always on the go. Um, so my calories would naturally be higher. Yeah. So this time around, I did actually have to set my calories a lot lower. Um, now, no number is the same for anybody. You know what I mean? So I did it with a TDE, making sure ma my macros are right and the calories. Um, and it was so, it's probably the lowest calories I've ever done. You know what I mean? Because this is the most inactive I've ever been. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to be able to successfully lose that body fat percentage and weight without losing the muscle, obviously I had to keep my proteins up, my carbs even lower than what I would normally have. You know what I mean? If I was, if I was in my normal routine, yeah. I would probably be, you know, another thousand, maybe slightly less, more calories on top. Um, but because I'm not doing that much, that's where I had to change that. Um, and I found actually it was, you know, by having that set macros and calories, I found that quite easy to stick to because I made myself a meal plan. Um, but, you know, I, I just, yeah. Touch, I mean, for me, I didn't find eating too much was a problem when I got that um, perspective of, you know, what I need to be, you know, understanding the macros and calories. Once I understood that, um, you know, now I yeah. found it, you know, I was actually okay because I wasn't, you know, gaining the weight. I went from 14 stone eight uh, to 13 stone five in about five weeks because I did the training and I did the, obviously, the right nutrition as well. Um so, yeah, I just found it effective once I understood that the most when it came to myself. You know what I mean? Um, what's your thoughts on this, Ben? Oh, I have so many thoughts. And I think the main thing that I have to put a disclaimer out is I'm, yeah, a rehab specialist, um, not a nutrition specialist, which I'm desperate to get into. I'm actually going to sign up to a course this September to get into something a little bit more of a better understanding of these sort of things. However, as yeah. Naneem sort of touched on, I hate, I hate the term diet. It seems like a switch that we're either dieting or we're not. Um, mm. And as you've both sort of touched on as well, like education is so, so key. But I think what's challenging with the general population is where do I get my education from? There's so many misconceptions. Mm -hmm. There's so many, uh, perhaps even false information. We'll be, I'll be quite happy to be strong enough to say that. <laughs> I mean, even to a certain degree, yeah. Lewis, I'd want to just challenge that idea of understanding your macros when realistically mm. we could eat 100% carbs at our BMR, our basal metabolic rate, and not gain any weight. Would we, mm. would we both agree with that? Like the macro splits don't matter. Yeah. So you're saying you could eat as many, you could eat as many carbs? <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on your goal. Because the thing is, I was, you know, I wanted to lose body fat percentage as such. So I found that more effective for me and maintaining the muscle by keeping my proteins higher. By understanding my macros um but if you're saying as a to keep fit um sort of perspective to, to, it doesn't you know the, and to survive day yeah to that's day. different yeah it's different totally different if you if you're like trying to keep generally fit i think it's you know you can you can have a good amount of carbs still um and i agree on that 
Um, I, I think mean, it just depends on your specific goal, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying, by the way, 100% carb diet is recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to um, say. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's, there's an awful lot that people get into nutrition and say, how do I lose weight? And mm. for me, there's too much complicated processes. It mm. doesn't matter if you're at yeah. a 55% carb, a 40% carb, and then splitting your fats and proteins <laughs> how you like, if you're just trying to be healthy and fit. Now, of course, um, nutritional requirements, if you're lactose intolerant, if you're celiac, if you're uh, vegetarian or vegan, it's all going to play a huge part in these mm. kind of splits. But to get someone just understanding, I'm overeating, I need to watch how many, uh, how much fats I'm taking in. For me, just overcomplicating it. We've got to then teach them nutritional information. We've got to get them understanding these forms, mm. um, which isn't a bad thing. But I do think it's perhaps easier to say your calorie goals. Um, mm. And if you're under eating on your calories, you're very likely to eat, if not definitely going to lose weight. If you're overeating or eating in a surplus worth of calories you'll gain weight mm. um, and that can both be in fat and muscle and vice versa when you're losing um but like you say Lewis, it's it's kind of goal specific but to talk yeah. about understanding macros it's one thing a little bit like naive touched on i feel quite strongly with the diet and the macro mm. splits it's it's really not a big thing for people to get caught up on is, well, one trainer said 55% mm. carbs, one trainer said 25% protein um, and trying to fit then your whole nutritional diary into these foods that match these percentages that you've been given from a calculator. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it does vary. It does vary depending on your goals. Totally. So in terms of lockdown, yeah. the, the thing I'd be looking at mostly is, is hydration levels. Are we drinking enough water? Um, but mm. also like the biology behind feeling hungry. And again, this is my very basic, uh, more slightly ba above basic knowledge, hopefully, um, about the hormones that make us both feel hungry and they're full. Um, am I right in thinking it's ghrelin and leptin? Excellent. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one, no one's uh, research for this. This is all off the top of the head. <laughs> yep. And ultimately, do, can we say that we can't really fight against biology? We can help it work in our favor. So if mm. our leptin levels are low, we're likely to feel hungrier. So that's the leptin is the hormone that makes us feel full. So if our ghrelin levels then are higher, we're likely to feel hungry doesn't mean that we need food it means we need to manage these hormone levels just as much as the calories and the meals that we're having mm. um and how people can do this during lockdown perhaps changing their eating patterns um we sort of said yep. about the the diary and the routine in terms of motivation well what about lunch breaks at work you you've got that half an hour or 60 minutes to say well i'm on lunch break I'm going to go and have food now. So not only is your body getting these steady flow of calories, but it's also in that mindset of we, there's no point feeling hungry now because in 20 minutes time, we're going to be on lunch break. Um, mm. And those hormone yeah. levels are going oh, to be balanced okay. out a little bit better. Whereas now, you know, I've had my lunch. Yeah, I'm probably going to have a snack before I go out because <laughs> what else am I going to do sort of thing? And that's that weird mindset that, yeah, as you say, Naeem, it's, it's boredom eating almost. It's filling that void of, well, I've done my work. I've had a cup of tea. Oh, I have a biscuit with my tea. 
Well, the sooner you have mm. four or five cups yeah. of tea throughout the day working from home, as you've had four or five biscuits more than what you usually have. Well, don't get me started on biscuits. Honestly, oh. those things, those things, I can go for a whole pack <laughs> and I wouldn't realise it. Ben, <laughs> could, I, could I add another thing? I, I know we said um, about the macros and stuff mm. like that. And yeah, entirely agree. This, well, I guess like if we have to teach you about that, it's yeah, it gets it gets a bit crazy. Yeah. It gets a bit crazy. But something that I'd definitely say is like looking at the composition, uh, composition, composition. Word, composition <laughs> that's it, of someone's yeah. diet. Because as we know, protein is really, really filling. Like you get your protein and if, even if you were to just increase it by a little bit, you feel fuller for yeah. longer. Um, even down to the type of carbs that we eat. Like I know if I have a bowl of porridge, for instance, in comparison to a packet of sweets, I feel way more full. I feel feel a little bit more energetic as well. But it's, it's, it's eating, you know, those whole foods that are really going to hold you for, you know, a prolonged amount of time. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird when you see, when you're, when you're starting to eat all these whole foods, you're like, oh, actually, I don't, I, I don't really need to eat as much. I think, I think that's a you know, really, but when, really but when you're point. not Sorry, like just looking at someone's diary to start yeah. off with to make positive changes. If we're looking yeah. at it and going, actually, yeah, your, your total carb intake is way higher than it should be. Yeah, I'm all for the macro splits yeah. and the understanding of let's reduce that and let's increase mm. something to help you out. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually, yeah. Because every individual is going to be different, really, aren't they? That's the thing. Um, but uh, one mm. thing I do find mm. in common these days, especially if people want to gain muscle, protein count, people don't realize how little protein they're getting in their diet. You know what I mean? Um, like, you know, they'll be, they'll be like, oh, they'll say, oh, they say, oh, I eat a lot of protein. I'm like, okay. So just track, like, you know, for a couple of days, you know, that will be when they first start using our app because we've got an app at our place. And the protein will be, like, 40 grams a day. And they'll be like, what? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you, you know, you, you, you need to be getting a bit more of that, you know what I mean? Um, especially if you're looking to do a muscle. <laughs> and it's like, they don't realise it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't realise it myself. Like, when I, when I did a bulk, right, the first time I properly tracked it, I made the most progress because the thing is, I used to think I was getting enough protein. And then I started tracking it. I was like, mm. snap, I'm not getting anything near I should be. And then that's when I put on, the, you know, the most weight that I wanted to by actually tracking um, what I was having. So like a diary sort of thing and making those tweaks because every individual, again, is going to be different. But when I made the tweaks for myself, and that's the same with clients, they make the most progress, definitely. Um, I mean, by I, assessing... definitely. I use this term, what could be measured can be managed. And you've just... Mm hit the nail on the head mm. there if, if you are trying to work towards a specific goal and you're just hoping for the best that's gonna be really difficult yeah, oh, so yeah. you start recording it and understanding where you're at now you can then manage the changes and the progress going forwards yeah very true okay. okay i like it so guys just to round this one off real real quickly let's meet the people where they're at so what would be the top three things for someone, just, just anyone, like you can't, bear in mind, you can't obviously consult them, you can't do X, Y, and Z, what you'd normally do as a PT. What would be your kind of your top three points of advice to a person that goes, I think I'm overeating during this time, my, my nutrition's gone crazy. Uh, Lewis, what do I do? Top three tips. Um, well, you know, as we were saying, I think it would be um, if you're overeating, I would understand that you're not obviously going to be exerting as much calories as you were before. So first off, getting an understanding of that factor um, that you, yeah, get you again, you aren't exerting that many more calories. Then the next point would be probably to, you know, just look at your calories 
And then that can also help you to get that better understanding. And then the third would be to make those changes that are needed, really. Um, so the first two is mainly about understanding. The third is making those tweaks, but not too big at the start. You just those implement. small little tweaks. Um, yeah. So that would be my top three tips, really. How about yourself, Ben? Big man? Uh, three things. I'll keep it short and sweet. I think educate yourself. Understand, like you just said, Lewis, the bigger yep. picture. Um, what are you actually eating? So record things. Um, and then, you know, be honest with yourself. If you're not losing mm. weight, you're eating too much. Perhaps go, oh, that packet of biscuits or that cake that I had on Sunday is having an effect. I probably <laughs> shouldn't have that. So definitely, I think too many people... Stay away from digestives. True to themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The amount of effects I've just had just by saying, look, let's look at someone's diary. Oh, wow, you, you, you drink like full, full sugar Coke. Well, how about we just cut that out altogether? Have Diet Coke, like low calories. Let's see what happens. And they lose weight. And it's like such mm. a shock to people that it has such an effect. So, mm. yeah. Educate yourself. Do you know what Go. I love? <laughs> carry on. No, 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 I'm just going to round three points again. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Please, please, please do. Uh. <laughs> Educate yourself. Be honest with yourself. And record it all. Yep. Love it. Love it. Sorry, I'm just laughing. Because I remember hearing multiple amount of times. You know when you know when this whole web came in and everyone was like, oh, can I order a full fat yeah. Coke? Yeah. I love how Ben was like, full sugar Coke. Oh, yeah, full sugar yeah. Coke. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let's call yeah, it what yeah. it is. Let's label it what it is. Um, I definitely agree with everyone's points. I think uh, something different that I'd probably say is try to move more. Mm. You know, try to account for the energy that you want, that you're not expending by actually trying to expend some energy. Take that dog on that extra walk. You know, take your kids on a walk. Let them get their energy out of the house. Obviously not in this weather. I mean, you could, but that's just punishment, really. Um, so number one would be that, like, try to move more. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. Educate yourselves. And if you don't know how to educate yourself, you know, just reach out to someone. Reach out to someone where you think it makes, it makes sense to you. You know, you always try to find people that relay information to you in a very, very easy way for you to understand. Mm. There's no point asking help from someone that's you, like talking about the most complex things because you're just going to sit there like, what? <laughs> and you're probably not going to do yeah. it. The easier it is to understand, the more likely you are to implement them. And then that just brings me to my final point, which both of you guys have said, act on it. Yeah. You know, act on it. Move more, learn, act. Nothing happens without you initiating what that What are they thing. saying? Knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing. <laughs> yeah. It's simple, yeah. simple behavior. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, th I think we've um, come to quite a lot of points today. To be fair, you know, we've all had very similar opinions, um, and obviously some little differences. But then we, you know, we come to the same sort of round conclusion. You know, um, but yeah, I feel like this has mm. been, you know, a really good podcast. Has anybody got anything else I'd like to add today? No, I've said enough. No, oh, no, I think we got, we've got everything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right, so. I think we all agree. I, th I, think, I think quickly, just the takeaway point is like you just said there, Lewis, you know, there is never, there is never a right, or well, sometimes there is, but largely there isn't a right or a wrong, is there? Largely there isn't. There's never a right. <laughs> there isn't a right or a wrong, but there's, there's different. There's like a, there's like a difference. There's like a yeah. difference. And, and it's yeah. just finding a difference that, again, works for you. And yeah. we will continue to say what works for you. We'll just yeah. do it. 
You know, yep. just do it. The, exactly. the more we learn, the right. more we're going to start it. saying. I'm, I'm it done. I'm... <laughs> this is good. This is good. I, I think we've got some good info out there today, lads. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's good to wrap up episode two. You think? 